This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Welcome to the podcast Secrets of the North, a podcast about true crime in Northern BC. I'm your host, Emily Gallen. And I'm the co-host, Spencer Hall. Our podcast may contain mature content, and it usually does, so listener discretion is advised. So how you doing? I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. Spencer, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing better than you. Oh, I know you are. Yeah. Well, you had your family up. I did, right? yeah. So my, my sister was visiting with her niece, my niece, my niece, her daughter. Uh, that's how genetics work right yeah it is actually um but uh no she's a she's a lovely baby um she really enjoys fart noises and who doesn't crazy frog what's that do you don't know what crazy frog is no where it's like that weird little like blue frog where he's like like he just makes weird noises okay i'm into it yeah i don't know she's got good taste she loved it i loved doing it for her and my sister fucking hated it perfect (laughs) yeah so Got covered all my bases there, but no, she's back in Terrace now, so I, I missed them. They got immediately. They came. They went back home and then immediately got COVID. Yeah. So from you? No. No. Uh, from you, their you, dad. Well, from Ellie's dad, my my sister's uh, fiance. What? Have you even had it? I've had it twice. Oh, it sucks. I, I mean, I can't. I can't confirm that I've ever had it. The first time was like all right, but the second time was just like body aches. Body aches. Um. So. I've got updates for you. You got some updates for me? I do. Can you update me? I'm updating you now. Okay. Uh, So not last episode, not episode, but the one before when we talked about Kirk Morin, Mm -hmm. we actually had tons of people reach out to us. Really? Um, Yeah. Some on Facebook and some uh, emailed us through uh, Energetic City. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just going to go on to my little Facebook here. Oh, yeah? Okay. And get a load of this. This is what someone wrote on my Facebook page. Okay. She said, I picked that Lisa chick up hitchhiking like a week before she did that and had the worst feeling she was planning on killing me or hurting me. I felt like I was bartering for my life the whole ride to Fish Creek where she wanted me to take her. One thing I still can't get out of my head is when she told me, sometimes bad things need to happen to good people so they know how good they've got it. It shook me to my core. After I dropped her off, I went home and told my husband about it. And said, I bet you that girl is going to kill someone and we'll see it in the paper. And next week, she killed Kirk. Then I knew she was for sure planning on harming me. That's terrifying. Nuts. And not even that, but I know someone who worked with her in the gym. And she said that she would bring um, the weirdest water bottles. Like she would have like a ketchup bottle or like a mayonnaise bottle like container but fill it with water okay i mean i mean i'm all about recycling reduce reuse recycle but also rihanna rihanna recycle rihanna Rihanna. unknown fourth or the hidden fourth r um that's um upsetting especially like that stretch for those who don't live in fort st john that are listening to this podcast because if you're driving to uh, fish creek that's all like down a hundredth yeah so you just keep going oh that's oh um yeah i did uh did a few things after that episode because I was intrigued by mm-hmm. by Miss Meal. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I went on her Twitter and she had these just the most bizarre notes mm-hmm. on like I think she, one was all about religion, mm-hmm. uh, and then the other one I really couldn't tell you what it was because it was just word salad. 
Oh, I, word salad. Word salad, like talking about Iraq and like uh, the uh, the communist countries of the world. Like, it, and it was like, yeah, I don't know. It looked like one of those mind maps, but it was just yes. like so. Yes, I saw I'll post that. A, I'll post a picture of it on Instagram because I mean it's, it's public. Yeah, and it's one of those clear signs of that mental illness as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't want to you know sensationalize it because clearly she had some issues that she yeah. wasn't getting help for. But yeah, no, I, I've heard a few more things about her that I want to look into. But that'll be that'll be probably something else that we do. And what I found really nice and refreshing too was all the comments that I got about Kirk and people saying how nice he was and like sharing some memories about him, um, which is kind of like one of the reasons why we do this, so people can remember him for the person that he was. Yeah. So that was great. And by all accounts, stand-up guy. Um, you know, yeah. I, again, the most important person of that story. Yeah. And we even had people write in and offer us some suggestions, which listeners totally do that. Yes, Instagram, etc. cetera. Uh, I've got... Someone said something about a Hadland family murder, and then I think it was the Babchucks, which I researched and did that one. And then we had another woman reach out to us about a, I think it was a halfway murder, a murder that halfway happened in halfway river. Yep. Yeah. So we'll, I think I did see, I did see that email. Yeah. Um, that the Hadland murder is interesting. There's a book that you can get uh, either at the art gallery or at the museum. It's a very large book. It's called Our Hadland Heritage. Oh. And the story of the murder is in that. Oh, so um, I'm going to have to read a lot. Well, I do I have the reading. book if you need to borrow it. I didn't. Uh, I'll try to find the part where they talk about the crime. But um, yeah, no, really interesting book. And if you want to connect with uh, some North Peace history, that is that is the time. Because essentially they had this huge mansion in, I think, like in England. And then they moved up here and then they didn't have much. Oh, uh, So they had to like start homesteading. Alert. Yeah, right. Sorry. Well, <laughs> situations right, 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 right. ensue. Um, all right. Well, the great updates. Can you take me down to a corner? I'm going to take you to Wine Corner. Yes. What kind of wine are we drinking today, Spencer? Oh, so I have to take you to Wine Corner? That's yeah, you take is. it down. You're like, I drove. Now tell me what we're doing. Yeah. Well, we are drinking a... I was reading it as Cherie Noir, so I was thinking it was a cherry wine. It is not. Mm. Uh, it's called Cure Noir. Uh, and essentially, it is a nice red wine. It's fruit. It's dry, which I enjoy because all the, you know, the last few have been you know, quite sweet, which yep. I, don't, I don't mind. Um, but this one is a tw- it was it's a 2019 and it features uh, blackberries, mm. huckleberries, hascat berries, and a splash of blueberries. Um, and it's aged in French oak, which bring out subtle dark chocolate notes that complete this beautiful red. Uh, pairs nicely with a grilled steak, cannelloni, or fig and olive tapenade, which I've never had or heard of. I don't know what it is, but. I, this is one of my favorites from them. And who, like, what winery are we talking about? Who's our sponsor? Let's tell them. Northern Lights Estate Winery, which yeah, I am becoming is. increasingly convinced since we've been making our way through these wines blends that these are too fancy for me because of specifically the pairings where they're like, yeah, it pairs with a nice ca- cannelloni and an olive and fig. Uh, nope, you lost me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you lost me a cannelloni. Yeah. Well, and then you also lost me because it is a, a hearty 13% of alcohol. Mm. Um, and we are recording this at, it says 3.30 p.m., but oh, it's, it's actually 4.30, 4:30 p.m. Yeah. on a Friday. And you can get this wine online even at www.northernlightswinery.ca. Get that wine get it online. They're, in, uh, they're on the Nechaco River, and they have a wine shop and bistro. So if you're bumming around the Nechaco River, just drop in. My have, favorite thing is to bum around. Yeah, well, I know that. So... Take me to a corner again. I'm going to... Take I'm me gonna, to our... Third our other corner. corner. Our second corner. How many corner? corners do we have? I think we had three. 
We still have secrets corner, although I don't think we got any secrets. No, so I've. So I'm I just keep, gonna tell my own. Oh, well, you know, if we keep going with this 13 percent wine, we're not gonna have any secrets left. I don't. Please have send any us your secrets. Um, yeah. Even if your secret is that you've never had Hescat berries, which I have not in non-alcoholic form, so mm. that's my secret, which is not a secret anymore. But without further ado, let's, let's go down to Crime Corner. Take me down with the beats on the deets on the streets. Yeah. To the Crime Corner. All right. So energeticcity.ca gets, and I'm sure every other media outlet also gets these, but um, essentially the Hudson's Hope RCMP will send out a bulletin kind of just detailing uh, what they've been up to okay. in uh, the last month. So this one happened on November 2nd. So is this something that only the newspapers get or is this something that everyone gets? I'm thinking, well, they do it as a release. So it is public information. So if you really want to keep up with what they're doing, or you can just click on your local media if you are in the peace region and they will have something. But cool, cool. you're going to want to go to energeticcity.ca. <laughs> Um, anyway, so on November 2nd, the Hudson's Hope RCMP received several calls regarding a deer that had stolen some Halloween decorations <gasps> oh from God. a local residence and was now wearing this item atop its antlers and was seen sporting it around town. Oh, I love this. Oh, this is our second deer story. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, how dear we. How dear we. So Constable Schmidt located the four-legged thief easily identifiable given the white webbing headdress that he was then wearing and upon trying to apprehend the suspect he fled from police that's fair he is a deer yeah that's kind of what they do due to not being able to catch up with the suspect in a foot pursuit local conservation was notified they called for backup oh of course um and plans were made to try and apprehend the suspect in a different manner so to retrieve the stolen item was it worth like i need to know what these items were to know how worth it i don't know if it was really worth it the, it's it, Hope. it sounds like it's like that those cotton like the spider webs um, oh yeah 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 but, okay continue again, sorry i'm in love I'm, with this deer i also love them uh all right so two days later it was found that the four-legged thief had discarded this item amongst a tree and was no longer trying to hide his antlers <laughs> so it's actually believed that this buck was merely trying to disguise himself during hunting season um <laughs> So the police say, so no charges were sought. Oh, my God. And that is Crime Corner. And I'm glad that he made it through hunting season. Me too. That's The deer at next level. Like, they are are very intelligent. Actually, I was walking down the street last night. You know, sometimes you just got to listen to some sad music. Yeah. And you go for a walk. And I'm walking. Wednesdays. You know what? It was a Thursday. Oh, thank you. Uh, But uh, walking, and I see a deer. And it's like, I mean... I get it. We're in the north. They go into the suburban areas all the time. Mm-hmm. But it, I, it's just like it was dark and it was like a sing, like under a street light. And then it's just this deer. And I was just like having, having an out-of-body experience. It was like your Patronus. Sure. Like your Harry Potter Patronus. Yeah. I have deer that come to our house like every day in the winter. There's been a few times that I've stepped out of the apartment to go walk my dog Teddy. And, you know, I don't know if you I don't know if you've met Teddy. But no, Teddy, Teddy isn't. Well, you should. Uh, but he loves everyone and everything and wants to be friends. Like he, if he sees a dog on the other side of the street, he'll whine at it because he wants to be friends. He wants to sniff its butt. He, well, yeah. Uh, but also like the face and all that. He actually. Uh, anyway. Um, so every once in a while, I'll step out during winter time, and then there will be a deer in our parking lot in our apartment building. And then he's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, no, Ted, too scary. We should have uh, listeners write in about any deer related stories. Give me Crime- those deer <gasps> stories. I've got, well, I've got one about a moose, but I'll save that for later. Well, actually, you could tell us about it right now. 
I could. Okay. So uh, once upon a time, do you remember when that moose broke into the school district building? No. Yeah. A moose what year was broke that? In. This was like a few years ago. Okay. It smashed like th- through the door and it was just, they had it all on camera. And oh. they had this moose running around the school district 60 building. He was just trying to get his education. I know. I mean, yeah. respect. They have a, there was a deer that broke into uh, the Smithers Safeway, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then I remember they hearing can't be stopped, right They're, They, when they decide they want to do something, I heard about this person once who was talking about, you know how everybody has those like, um, like not uh, irrational fears. Okay. Um, this person's Mine's irrational death. fear. I mean, that's, that's I think irrational. that's a pretty rational fear. I'm pretty sure most people, if you talk to them, they're probably terrified of death. Death by deer. Death by deer. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I, I swear, I, listener, I will, I promise you, I will look up better deer puns. Uh, this means that I'm going to have to look at more deer crime. Deer crime is like a fun thing that I want to major in. Is that our fourth corner? Deer crime. <laughs> we have crime corner and then we have deer, deer crime corner. corner. Um, we are from the north. We truly are. Um, anyway, this person's irrational fear was they found out that moose can swim and they'll, oh. they'll dive really deep. I might have oh. I might have mentioned this one before. I have another moose crime then. Amazing. Um, Remember when they jumped on that moose in... Um, yes, yes. And somebody actually got fined about they that. They got fined, yeah. yeah. Anyway, this person's irrational fear, Emily, was that they would dive into a lake and then a moose would be trying to get back up and then they get hit with a moose. <laughs> like jaws? Yeah, but, but it's like but a moose. moose antlers. <laughs> Which, fair enough, moose are fucking huge. I don't think I really yeah. understood until I've like seen a moose. Those things are fucking huge. Yeah, sometimes we've seen some like across the street. They're big boys yeah. and, and gals. Oh, like bigger than me. Yeah. They have um, a few signs if you're driving. I took a trip to um, Terrace and Smithers with uh, Nick this summer. Yeah. And they have a bunch of signs, I believe, in Smithers that say, respect the sow. And it's talking oh. about not killing female moose. Um, well, what would a moose plural be? Just meese. mooses? Mises? No, it's meese? just it's just moose. It's um, just moose. But uh, I like to say Mies. Uh And then Nick gets mad at me. Anyway, cool. Well, that's Crime Corner. Uh, I love it. Thank you. You know who I want to hear from now? Our sponsors? Yeah. Did. All right. Na, 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 na. Personal, powerful conversations that deserve to be listened to. Before the Peace is an Energetic City Dice podcast now available on all major platforms that highlights Indigenous voices in Northeast BC. Hosts Jenna Moreland and Trey Lopashinsky will take you on a journey with an Indigenous lens on the history of the Peace region. Find out more, go to slash before the peace. Check out all of our podcasts, go to slash podcasts. All right, Spencer, are you ready for my deep dive? I'm like the moose. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, like yeah, the yeah, moose. yeah. I'm going to share a story with you today that I have a few secondhand connections to. Ooh, fun. Yeah, so this case has always really stood out to me. It starts on November 27, 2010, when RCMP officer Keller was driving south from Fort St. James towards Vanderhoof, BC, when he saw a truck coming from a remote road that seemed suspicious. And so this location's a little bit further away than we typically mm-hmm. uh, have, but it's about, say, like five hours ish away okay also has there ever been a truck coming from a remote road that doesn't seem suspicious never okay just checking the vehicle had come from a remote road off the highway and swerved onto the highway sliding in the snow now as we have said once and i'm sure we're going to say again northern bc is cold in the winter and i mean it's basically always winter yeah winter here starts in probably october and then ends in april exactly so we're at november 27th we're probably in the dead of winter right now The officer decided to call in backup and follow the truck. 
This is one of those instances where you just have those gut instincts and you have to follow it. And even though the officer was relatively new to the RCMP, he trusted his gut instinct. I respect that. Around 9.45 p.m., the officer and his backup pulled over the truck in question. Suspicions were raised even more when they pulled over this truck and the occupant already had his documents ready, which is actually uncommon. And the officers noticed that the occupant was wearing shorts in the middle of winter. Oh, my God. Is, was he driving a Dodge pickup? <laughs> was he running down the road screaming, hallelujah, I'm Jesus? Yeah. Well, I mean, the Jesus was driving a Dodge pickup, if you remember. I do remember. I don't think he does. Um, but um, yeah, no, uh, shorts in the middle of winter. We get it. You're straight. Yeah. We- <laughs> Like, what What are you, 14 yeah, in exactly. high school? You're wearing those, like, Walmart basketball shorts and being like, oh, it's not even cold. And it's just, cold. Just say it. You pull up your uh, socks, like, so that they almost meet your shorts. You know how, like, guys will have the long shorts and then the tall socks and they just tan their knees? That's, yeah. That's what I feel like is happening that's, here. That's wrong. Okay. Um, just wear pants. Yeah, it's wear okay. pants. I truly wish that it was just Jesus in this case, but no, negative. Bummer. When speaking to the man in the vehicle, some drops of blood were noted, and immediately they took him into the back of one of the cop cars. The RCMP had to be careful for their own safety at this time, and they had to contain the occupant while they searched his vehicle. What they found during the search of the vehicle and the occupant raised even more alarms. Oh no. So how many alarms are we at at this point? 20. Damn. They found drops of blood as well as two crack pipes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It just escalated so quickly. <laughs> no. Okay. Crack pipes, alcohol, and a pipe wrench with blood in its teething. And they found a backpack shaped like a monkey with ID belonging to Lauren Leslie. No. Also, mm. when you said blood in its teething, I thought that this, he, this man straight up had teeth on him. Oh, that, like uh, like loose teeth. No, no, no. Oh, the God. wrench teeth. That's there's nothing more upsetting than unexplained loose teeth. There's there's nothing more upsetting upsetting than just unexplained teeth. Yeah, suddenly teeth. Hate it. All right, cool. Moving on. The officers also found a pocket knife with blood on it, on his person. And when they questioned the driver, he said it was from a grouse that he had previously killed. Okay, where's the grouse then? Mm-hmm. That didn't sit well with Keller, the RCMP officer. And it didn't seem like a man in shorts would be out hunting grouse in the middle of winter. I somehow managed to forget that he was wearing shorts. When he mentioned that to the male occupant, he quickly changed his story, and he said he actually used the knife on a deer. Since the occupant did not have a hunting license, the RCMP concluded this was poaching, and so they were able to call in conservation officers. They were able to even arrest him for violation of the Hunting Act. Haha, <laughs> you still did a crime, even though you lied, because you definitely murdered this lady. <laughs> yeah, and this is perfect, because they have a prop- they have a reason to actually arrest him. Yeah, well, he just else. handed it to them, honestly. Oh, I was hunting grouse. Oh, psych, it was a deer. Also, I'm in shorts. The occupant turned out to be a 19-year-old named Cody Lejabokov, a young man who would soon be coined one of Canada's youngest serial killers. Oh, that's not a title you want to have. Keller had brought in Conservation Officer Hill to speak to Cody about the illegal poaching, and Cody told him quite a tall tale, and the officer did not buy any of it. After questioning Cody, he decided to go investigate and try and find out this so-called deer. Yeah, so right off the hop, both people, both investigators are like, this kid's full shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, but here's the thing. I don't want to know why the blood, well, I mean, I would like to know why the blood is, but okay, sure, you killed a deer. What are you doing with this woman's ID? Where's the deer? What, and, I mean, I'm surprised they weren't able to get him for the fact that he had two crack pipes on him. Yeah. Also, well, why do you need two? 
Mm. There's a lot of questions I got. Yeah. I mean, I'm not an investigator, but... I might and I might not answer them. That's valid. So the officer decided to go investigate and find the so-called deer. He drove down the remote road that Cody had come from and came upon a scene. He told the other officers when he returned that it was the worst case scenario. Oh, no. Down the remote road, the officer noted disturbances in the bush and found where Cody had been previously parked. He followed the trail of footprints into the brush farther, and he came upon a young girl. Oh, no. The 15-year-old... 15? Jesus. Sorry. Yeah. The 15-year-old was named Lauren Leslie, and she was found deceased. The evidence pointed towards death by blunt force trauma, and her face was sadly beaten beyond recognition. I won't go into more of the details. Uh, there are many online, but it's just not necessary. Jesus Christ. According to Wikipedia, Lauren Don Leslie allegedly met Cody online on a website called Nexopia. Nexopia? Nexopia? Yeah. She was legally blind, having one completely blind eye and 50% vision in the other eye. She lived with her mother in Vanderhoof, British Columbia, and was described as a fun and happy kid, but someone who lived with post-traumatic depression and bipolar disorder, for which she had been taking medication. According to her loved ones, she had dreams of becoming a forensic pathologist when she grew up. I mean, that's awesome. That is awesome. She also spent a lot of her time online on social media, where she talked to people from around the world. Mm -hmm. So I just uh, quickly Googled uh, Nexopia. Mm -hmm. It was founded in 2003, and it was actually Canada's first online social network. Oh, it's Canadian. Yeah. So it evolved from a community site called Enternexus, and another side built uh, by the Ewalds, which is the person who obviously funded uh, Nexopia. Um, but yeah, uh, in 2016, it updated its user profile pages, um, and it seems to still be going. Okay, I mean, we'll we'll check it out. 1.4 active million or 1.4 million users, 200,000 active as of November 2012. So it's probably mostly dead at this point. Yeah, uh, but it it was founded in Edmonton, Alberta. Oh wow. That place is cool, too. Yeah. Anyway, so, okay, so they met online. She is, you know, legally blind. Yeah. And he's, you know, four years older than her. And, okay. Already taken advantage of the situation. Yeah. I'm kind of concerned because what we now know about, you know, grooming. Yep. Uh, okay. I'm not having a good feeling. I mean, none of the it, things that we talk about, well. I should never have a good feeling about it. No. But this one is, like, going to be upsetting. So they decided to meet... And the night that they met for the first time, it started with some drinking at a school parking lot and ended up in that worst case scenario. Thankfully, Cody was immediately arrested for her murder. But little did they know this arrest would be attached to a trail of missing and murdered women. Oh, no. Yeah, it gets even worse. Do you, you think 15-year-old, deceased, bad, oh, gets worse? no, I didn't think it could. It's um, going to. Also kind of it scary did. because I remember being 15 and drinking in a school parking oh, lot. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like, it's not like you don't you never want to be oh that could have been me but like it really could have been because i mean i was talking to people on online all the time i fully would have gone and met people i i still to i this did day, go and meet people i, I, I did and hopped i hopped on a do. bus and then yeah i went to texas one time and well it was a stopover to belize but i met up with this what chick. flex <laughs> yeah but i met up with this chick um who's in one of these online groups with me and like we still talk all the time and this has been over seven years now i'm actually part of the um uh the Murderinos that enjoy weed, the weederinos. Oh, that's yeah. a good group. I'm a part of um, a couple Emily groups, um, but one is for like a, a weed Emily group. Another is a Kyle and Emily group. 
Yes, you've, ta- you've <laughs> told me about the Kyle and Emily Cruz. So, yeah, I guess I think that, I mean, obviously any kind of murder is upsetting, especially when they're young, but also just, like, knowing that, like, how many people I've met that I haven't known on the internet, and that's where I make, you know, just a vast majority of my friends, unless it's at work. <laughs> Those are the two places that I am, usually the internet and at work, sometimes at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> According to Canada's youngest serial killer, there was a period of time in Prince George, a city in northern BC, known for its high crime rate, where there were multiple missing women and unsolved murder cases. I'm pretty sure that's why the Highway of Tears ends in Prince George, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it ends, ends. I'm sure it's still just as bad once you get into northeast BC, but it's not like Highway 16 where it's like notorious that highway. Yeah. On October 9th, 2009, a young woman named Jill Stachenko disappeared from Prince George. She was a mother of five who struggled with addiction, and that had led her to sex work. She was very well-liked, and she was also known for her lovely voice. Now, I really hate putting that little bit in there about the sex work, although we know that is sex work, work is work. You, you got to pay those bills. Pay man. those bills. No, no judgment. How you, however you do that is up to you. Just maybe, you know, don't do illegal shit. But, but sex work is one of those things where I think that Obviously, there's that stigma you want to control, mm-hmm. or like, you know, the patriarchy wants to control women's bodies. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, I hate it. But, y- you know, we we support sex workers on this podcast. That's all I'm going to say about that. And the reason I brought it up is, you, as you'll you'll see later on, there's going to be... There's a reason for it. Reason We're not just it. being like, well, she made... Here's the thing. The problem is, historically, when people talk about sex work, it's almost like victim blaming. Like, well, if you didn't yep. do it, you wouldn't get murdered. No. It's not. Yeah, well, unfortunately, if I'm wearing like, a short skirt, doesn't mean someone needs to sexually harass me. No, no it doesn't. No, you're just trying to pay your. You're just trying to live your life, really. Yeah. I mean, uh, and then if you have sex skirt. work, you're just trying to pay your bills. It's not like you know. And I think that um, it's it's valid work, and it's work that I think that if you're not in the industry, maybe you don't get to comment on. Unfortunately, her body was found on October 26. Oh. A hiker found her remains in a gravel pit close to her town. Mm. Her death was ruled homicide from blunt force trauma. This is sounding familiar to the crime scene of Leslie, who also died from blunt force trauma. Okay, I hate that. It gets even worse. Oh, great. 23-year-old Natasha Lynn Montgomery also disappeared in the same area after leaving a friend's house. She also was a mother of two, and she was last seen on August 31st or early September 1st, 2010. She, too, was a sex worker, but that does not mean she was not in touch with her family. It is wild to me that so many people think that those living these high-risk lifestyles are not attached to their families. And like we've already said, sex work is real work, and these are real people. Those are people. And like, you know, yeah, the the thought that like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to get into sex work. I guess I'm not going to call my mom. Like, exactly. it's it's something that, you know, unless your family is one of those, because there are those families that are like, don't talk to me. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it's just just because they happen to have this job, which I mean, some turn to by choice, some turn to because they've got some habits that they need to fuel. And that's a different conversation. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're they're doing a job. And clearly, like, you know, I don't think I don't understand why we shame sex workers and like not the people that are not the Johns. No, well, not even the Johns, but mostly, you know, the people that are murdering them. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sure. like, I don't want to think that like, you know, I at first I was thinking, yeah, let's shame the Johns. But no, I don't think that we need to shame anybody. I mean, sex is a natural human thing. So like, if we're, you know, if we're shaming, I mean, obviously, we're going to shame women because we are, live in a patriarchal society, unfortunately. But I don't think anybody needs to be shamed. I just think that maybe people don't need to stop murdering them. Her family said it was unlike her to not check in with them. And her family reported her missing soon after her disappearance. She was never found, 
but her blood was tied to items that were later found in Cody's home. Mm. And it gets worse. God. Okay, so, sorry, just to, just to recap. So we've got... We've got Leslie. We've got Leslie. We've got Jill. Old. We've got Jill. Um, do we know how old Jill was? Yes. Jill... Oh. No, we... I don't know. I could, I could find out. Let's Google it. Let's Google it. And then we also have Natasha. So we have got Jill, Natasha, and Leslie so far. Okay. Two bodies found. One missing person. Nobody found. The two murdered victims had died from blunt force trauma. So we're seeing a pattern here. Yeah. Um, Jill Stachenko was 35. Okay. Interesting enough, the next victim was also 35 years old, and her name was Cynthia Maz. According to Wikipedia, Cynthia, 35, was last seen September 10th, 2010. Her body was found in a Prince George Park the following month. Let she, me guess. Blunt force trauma. Yes. She died from blunt force trauma to the head and penetrating wounds. Ugh. Those who knew her said she loved her family, was beautiful, and had a free spirit. Online, you can tell just how adored she was by her friends and family. They all mentioned these beautiful memories, and you can tell she really took her time to connect with her family and cherish them. I shared a conversation with one of her daughters, actually, and I really want to emphasize the point that the media, like they do, um, portrayed her mother by only her struggles and didn't highlight her strengths and her beauty. A lot of the time when you're reporting on these stories, it's difficult. I think there needs to be more of a focus on showing the actual human thing because a lot of the time you're getting a release that's just talking about the crime. Yeah, human, more human connection. There needs to be more of a human element in these stories because, yeah, otherwise it just becomes a statistic. This person died of this. And that's, I don't know who, like, I don't know if there's really any one, I think it's a system. You know, it's a system of how you get that information, how you share that information. And I think that's changing. And come to think of it, Spencer, um, Cynthia's nieces, I think, lived across the street from me growing up. Oh, no way. Yeah, so that's one of my connections to this crime. And that, right, you grew up in Fort St. John, right? I did. You did. Naturally, we know that police are not known to take missing sex workers seriously. Not only that, but some of the victims were indigenous, and one even added to the list of the Highway of Tears. Hmm. And Cody was a young white man who was well-liked by his classmates, family, community, and roommates. According to Canada's youngest serial killer, those interviewed said they were shocked. And I quote, The Cody that I knew, that I took hunting and fishing, wouldn't do any of that, said his grandfather, Roy Goodwin, in an interview in the Vancouver Sun. Everybody liked him. There wasn't a person that had a bad thing to say about him. Nobody. He even had a fiancé at the time of his arrest and previous long-term relationships. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Look at Dennis Rader. And I was just going to say, this is one of the scariest aspects of these serial killers, or if he is a psychopath. Mm -hmm. uh, It could be the person next door. Yeah. These are stranger killings, which are very uncommon, and Mm -hmm. serial killings, which are uncommon. And the fact that no one would have suspected him. He was just your average person. Yeah. But, like, you know, to kind of Dennis Rader, like, that's the BTK killer or whatever. Was yes. He the, but he's the one that, like, did all those crimes, and then he just fell off the face of the earth, and the police didn't hear from him. They, they didn't know who he was. They usually do that if they have a family. Yeah, well, he had a family, yep. and then they found him, and the only reason they found him I was know. that he was, like, the deacon at the church or something like that, and he sent them a floppy disk. That's yeah, how long ago he's an it was. Idiot. Uh, yeah, he's an idiot. Well, no, it's not even that he's an idiot. It's that they get this inflated self or like they almost get this like God complex where they're like, I'm smarter than 
everyone. Yep. And even though they could trade this, this back to me, they're too stupid. They're not going to figure it out. And then they do. And then you end up in jail. He and then known, you tear your family apart. He was known to reach out to the newspapers mm-hmm. when he was uh, committing these crimes. And so when his kids he had grown up. them. Yeah, yeah. And when his kids grew up and left home, he was bored. And he reached out and he's like, if I sent you a floppy disk, could you trace it? They're like, no, 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 no. And he sends it in and then boom. Thankfully, it was not hard to convict Cody of these crimes. The evidence that the RCMP soon found was overwhelming. In a video by Canada's youngest serial killer, the blood that was found in his current and past apartments were linked to multiple missing and murdered women and girls, the ones that we recently spoke about. In his Prince George apartment, they found a couch stained in blood belonging to the victim, Jill. Blood on the sheets door handle and axe his old apartment also had blood on the carpet belonging to jill wait a minute okay so is this the same apartment or does he have like multiple there's multiple apartments he was i think at one point living in fort st james okay and then he was also living in prince george right we'll talk about a little bit later but he will bring his couch i believe from fort st james to prince george that has the blood on it so it's, it's i think it's saying that jill was probably murdered in the old apartment? Fort St. James, yes. And then he brought his couch to Prince George. Okay. Um, my question, if he has a fiancé, are they not seeing that he has a bloodstained couch and has blood all over his apartment? Well, I don't get to the fiancé, but we're going to get a bit to that. Okay, I'll be quiet. Cynthia's blood was found on his shoes and a pickaxe belonging to Cody. Someone even told me once that they were roommates with Cody, and the only complaint that she had was that he was noisy. The roommate I spoke with, if I remember correctly, she and her other roommates had left for a long weekend, and when they got home, they saw a blood stain on the carpet. Uh, Cody said that it was from a nosebleed. This and, entire time, I've been wondering if he's going to blame it on a nosebleed. But he was also doing drugs at the time, and I don't know if that's what they connected that to, was like cocaine, but um, Cody said that he'd been having nosebleeds. So the roommates helped him clean up the blood, not wanting to lose their damage deposit, uh, uh, Maybe they unknowingly cleaned up a crime scene. See, that's messed up to think about. That would be that would weigh on my conscience for or conscience conscience for uh, a little while. While searching, I later found an article by the Times columnist that said a roommate of Cody's testified she returned to 1500 block Kearney Street home from visiting her family in Fort St. James over the 2009 Thanksgiving long weekend and went downstairs where Cody's bedroom was to check on him. In the basement's living room, she found him lying on the couch he owned watching television. But she also noticed a bloodstain about the size of a melon on one end of the couch and another bloodstain on the carpet covering the floor. And I quote, He said that he was high and fell asleep on the couch and had a nosebleed. The court later heard that he had started using cocaine while living in the home, despite concerns from the housemates. In the article, it also mentioned that nothing was done about the stain, but he did try to clean it up. According to CBC News, Cody had pled guilty for four counts of second-degree murder in B.C. Supreme Court, testifying that he was present at the deaths of three women and a teenage girl, but that he did not commit the murders. Sure. (laughs) This fucking loser. Yeah, okay. Um, Was it your imaginary friend? Was it your cocaine friends? Oh, yeah. We're going to get to that. Oh, okay. He actually tried to blame drug dealers. There you go. Who he wouldn't name. And he also tried saying that one of the murders was a mercy killing because the victim was hurting herself and he wanted to help her end her pain. He tried to tell the court that he was hanging out with drug dealers and that they had come to his house to get high and the victim Jill was there too. 
Cody claims that the two drug dealers said she owed them money and that they were going to kill her to settle the debt. So Cody just apparently sits idly by while these drug dealers hit Jill over the head while she was sitting on the couch. What? Cody even tried to convince the court that the same thing happened a year later with victim Cynthia Maz. The plea was not accepted by the court. Yeah, no shit. That, no dice, loser. Yeah, literally. I'm sorry. Um, that makes no sense. That makes. What are you? What are you doing? Like, I can. You know, with with other drugs, like if he's doing cocaine, cocaine is one of those ones, as far as I know, where you actually become like more alert, like almost too alert to what's happening. But he had the crack pipes as well, right? And I don't know if he was doing crack at that time. Well, crack and cocaine are like... like are they the same thing? Well, crack is like a cheaper version of it, if I know correctly. Please okay. tell me if I'm wrong. But, you know, if, it, tell was, me all about if it was heroin, then sure. Because that one is like one of those ones where you're, you're, you're laying down, you're sl- every, it slows everything down, right? Okay. With, because... With, Cocaine, I think, is classi- classified as like an upper, and then okay. heroin is a downer, right? So like you're you're like you're almost comatose. So if it was heroin, okay, maybe, but at the same time, that wouldn't happen if that happened once. It certainly wouldn't happen a second time statistically. So he- like you know this, yeah, and then also na- not naming drug dealers. Like you're already in there for murder. What's the worst thing that they're going to do to you? Like just name them or just accept. He that's can't what, I name mean, them because they don't exist. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's the thing with, you know, I don't want to say it's the worst thing about serial killers because, like, we don't have to pick just one. But, like, just take responsibility for what you've done. Like, if not for yourself, and but for the victims and their families. Exactly. And he literally changed his story so many times and blamed other people as well as his addiction to drugs. Well, at the end of the day, you got to take responsibility for your own actions. And addiction is one of those things where, yes, it's a struggle. It's a sickness. Not to stigmatize it, but, you know, it is classified as an illness. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Exactly. And on September 16th, Cody was sentenced to life in prison with no parole for 25 years. Additionally, B.C. Supreme Court Justice Glenn Parrott added him to the National Sex Offender Registry. Given the sexual assaults committed as part of the murders and Cody's apparent degradation of the victim's bodies... Oh, I didn't know about that. Mm -hmm. I know, I left that out. Thank you. Uh, and I quote, he lacks any shred of empathy or remorse, Parrot said of the killer. He should never be allowed to walk among us again. And he shouldn't. I mean, I think Cody could be a true psychopath, even though statistically he's younger than most. Um, there was actually an author, Hunter, who wrote a book about Cody. And he talks about why serial killers tend to start later in life. And Cody was quite young. Yeah, well, because like I, I used to have this guidance counselor in high school. Um, and he'd always talk about the frontal lobe and how it's developing. I'm about to talk about the frontal lobe. Oh, wild. Okay. So yeah, anyway, his whole thing was like, you know, teenagers are a pain in the ass because their, their frontal lobe is it's still developing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just, yeah, he would, he'd had a, a spiel that if anyone went to, you know, Skeena Junior Secondary, you'll know the spiel. So Hunter says that the cognitive part of the brain, the frontal lobe part, isn't really developed until you're into your early 20s. And so to be one of these organized serial killers, you have to have the ability to lead two lives and keep them separate. And that really requires that frontal lobe cognitive ability. And most teenagers aren't going to have that. Right. So that's kind of explaining, well, Dennis Rader, but also how he's able to have this fiance. Because I've heard that serial killers will usually like their friends and family are off limits for them, obviously. Like they want to kill people they don't know. Well, they want to blend in with the natural society. And so they're even going to make themselves feel more safe and appealing to other people if they have a family. Right. And they're going to, you know, they're going to volunteer at their church and and do charity work and Mm -hmm. just to try to 
blend mm-hmm. in. So kind of like Ted Bundy, who was a volunteer at uh, Sex Hotline. Was he at a sex hotline or was he at the suicide hotline? I thought it was, I thought it was a rape victim hotline. It might be. There's no way to know. All right. I'm going to fact check that. But so, while I do that, why don't you tell me a little bit more about this case? Well, since he was 19, he was getting to that point. But like I said, it's still a little bit early, um, earlier than most to be uh, a psychopath and serial killer. He worked at a suicide hotline. Pardon? Ted Bundy worked at a suicide hotline. Oh, okay. Oh, I hate that. Right. So Cody is currently in Warkworth Institution, a medium security prison, and that's located in the municipality of Trent Hills, Ontario. Okay. A little trivia about that place is actually a riot broke out there once in 2019, and one inmate was uh, killed and many other injured. Yikes. Um, That's not great. So like you were saying, Spencer, that... They have, like, their families and, you know, but they lead their double lives. Yeah, and yeah, because a lot of them are, like, yeah, you want to blend in. And, I mean, I don't know if caring is a reason, but, like, yeah, essentially they just, like, they have these group of people where they're, they have relationships with where mm-hmm. they're, like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to murder you. Well, my other kind of tie to this case is that someone who my husband worked with's relative was actually the fiancé. Oh, shit. I did not see that coming. Yeah, and I believe that he was supposed to be going to their house that Thanksgiving that he got arrested. I could be wrong, but that's just like the hearsay information that I have. Wild. Although this case is closed, we know it's still an open wound for those who are affected by this tragedy. Well, yeah, you can't. It's hard. Death in general is hard, but when someone meets their end in a way like these women did, I don't know how you'd even begin to start healing from that. A Facebook memorial page for victim Cynthia Maz reads, Happy Mother's Day to the most beautiful woman I've known. I can tell she was one of the sweetest ladies and totally kind. She is gone, unfortunately, but will never be forgotten. A part of her spirit is in my soul. For her to leave, it's my time to carry on her life for her. I love you, mommy, forever and always. Mm, I'm like, I'm tearing up. That's my case. That's That's my shitty case about a shitty person. Yeah. It's only shitty because it's about a shitty person. It's shitty. Well, I mean, it's shitty. There's we don't have to pick there's one no, reason. Yeah, there's why. not one reason. It's yeah, shitty. it's just it's just you know it's sad for these women who, you know, the one they were they all had promise and potential in their lives. Depending on where they were, you know, just because you're a sex worker doesn't mean you don't have potential or, or promise in your life. Mm-hmm, if that's exactly. you know. These were women who had friends, family, but even if they didn't have friends and family, they're still people and, um, and they've effectively just had met their end in the worst way possible. And he preyed on vulnerable victims. Exactly. uh, And then couldn't take responsibility for that, which I mean, the, uh, air quote drug dealers. Well, even look how many times he changed the story. Oh, it's a grouse. Oh, it's a deer. Oh, actually, it's this woman that, or this girl that I've, essentially, girl, sorry, she's 15. Yeah, she's a kid. You know, this child that I've met online. And you think that... That I'm drinking with at a school parking lot, and then I murdered her in the wood. Like, I'm sorry. Did he not think that the cops were going to go and look to where he had been? Yeah, I'm sorry. You have two crack pipes. You have one pocket knife with blood on it, and no indication. How are you going to kill a deer with a pocket knife? And you just think about the stroke of luck of that. Yeah. He would have gone on. Yeah. He would have kept, and he would have kept preying on women. Honestly, Emily, that was an amazing case. Thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, 
I'm bummed out, but in a good way. Because here's the thing. I really like hearing about these because these people do deserve to have somebody hear their story. True. Um, because it sucks that, you know, a lot of mainstream true crime is usually in the States, usually in bigger areas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these people, especially these women, because... You know, I would love for us to, like, actually explore more cases that happen on Highway 16 and the Highway of Tears because, really, it's just it – you don't hear about the individuals that are part of it. You just – you always hear about the Highway of Tears. You never mm-hmm. hear about the women whose blood really paved the Highway of Tears. Well, a lot of the cases that I've been researching are women and Indigenous women, and that's obviously going to be a trend in this area, unfortunately. Um, another thing that, you know, we want to actually highlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so- I always feel bad, too. I mean, obviously bad, but, you know, Indigenous women, they have a lot against them. Yep. They've got, statistically right now, we're in probably year six of the toxic drug overdose crisis, okay. and they are statistically the ones that are most likely to, oh. to, to pass away from overdose, followed by uh, men aged 19 to 39 who work in trades, yeah. transportation, or equipment operating. Oh. Yeah. That, I, I would not have correlated that. That's- yeah, and the saddest part about those deaths is that they're usually when they're at home alone. Oh. There's a really sad song that I think about uh, every time I, I think about that because, I mean, whatever, but uh, uh, John Prine... He actually, he's a folk singer. Okay. He died, I think, from COVID. So, like, fairly recently. And he's got one called Sam Stone. And it's this song where he's singing about this veteran who is addicted to to heroin. And there's this line where he said, Sam Stone was alone when he popped his last balloon. Oh. And it's... I mean, it's mostly a statement on the the U.S. treatment of uh, veterans, mm-hmm. but like you know, the kids ran around around wearing other people's clothes, like just lines like that, where I'm like, fuck. Uh, also, John Prine, just a really good songwriter. I mean, if we're gonna talk about vet singers, let's uh, Zach Bryan. Yeah, Google him; he's good. He's great. All actually, right. like, I love it. Right. Um, well, well, let's plug our social media. Now, yeah, oh, well, instead of uh, these singer songwriters. Yeah, well, also, I mean, check out John Prine. He's he's dead, so I mean, he's not. He's personally not getting the money anymore. Fall um, in love with Zach. Okay. Anyways, just I'm, it's done. I'm already in love with him. Good. Um, all right. Uh, well, you can find us at Secrets of the North underscore podcast, uh, and we uh, actually started something new. Did we? We did. What did uh, we, we started listing mental health resources on oh, yes. our Instagram. So, you know, we were talking about it last episode. It took us a little minute, but we got there. Uh, so we'll be adding to those. So it's a highlight. So you can see all yep. these different resources, uh, region specific. But you know what? If uh, if you're in a region that's outside of the piece and you need help, mental health resources, shoot us a DM. Mm-hmm. We'll try to find something for you. Yeah, of course we um, If you can't. Um, and... Uh, we're still toying around with the idea of a merch store. Oh. I'm working on it. If not, I might see about getting stickers made that are winter specific. They're just, they'd be a good stocking stuffer. I love a good sticker. Like, I, I got one too. of those toolies and um, I'm becoming one of those people that I, I always judged. Um, I put stickers on my toolie on my Dodge Caravan. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, uh, like a gangsta. I love that. Um, my thing is like, I really, I have this real, so I got this laptop when I was in college because essentially when, when I was in college, the COVID-19 pandemic started and what? we switched from in-person classes to like digital. You're the only person I know that went to college or university during COVID. Yeah, it sucked. Um, so essentially Besides I was in the myself. radio program and uh, they were like, uh, yeah, so we can't go into the studio because radio booths are very small and it's very hard to distance. Um, 
so they were like, yeah, so these are the technology requirements. My laptop at the time was not going to cut it. So I bought this new one. But the problem is, is that it's a, it's an Acer tough gaming laptop. And so essentially the back, like the logo of my laptop looks like a tramp stamp for lack of a better term. Like it's ugly. So it looks like my back. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like I have an Emily Butt laptop. It's really, it's cut, it's top of the line, cutting edge. Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of stinky no, i got some uh, amazing tattoos when i was about right. 15 16 on your butt 17 were they temporary no no i still have them okay and they're still ama- as amazing as they were i then. love it no that's good that stood the test of time but yeah so essentially i have this really ugly like yeah they, it looks i mean i hate to use the word tramp stamp but it looks like one so i need to I put one it's fine. my thing is that i need to start putting stickers on my laptop but then i just i also my dad when i growing up he hated when we would put stickers on things yeah it's the worst it's the worst because then you take out the paint peels off of the wall because usually i wanted to put them on the door or something yeah you ruin the furniture you're you're ruining the furnishings um but yeah so now i need to actually start putting stickers on and i also got a water bottle that i want to start putting stickers on i had a grace giesbricht and if she's listening to this hi grace uh she used to she used to work here but she had uh, the best stickers on her on her water bottle Okay, well, maybe she can design us a sticker then. Yeah, I might reach out to her. Uh, oh anyway, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I mean, I don't know if I really talked to you directly, the listener, but, uh, Hi, you know, Lizzie. we've really, we always have a great time recording these. Maybe it's because we're drunk on fruit wine. Who knows? But, um, no way to know. And you know what? That uh, Cure Noir, mm. pretty good. I loved it. It was nice. Love you. I love you. Okay. Um, you can find me on Instagram if you're interested at all in my personal life. Uh, it's sphall97. And there's a picture of me standing in a forest being like, wow, this is cool. And if you want to find me, it's oh. E to, to the underscore G. All right. Yeah. And you'll find some uh, mediocre content. Oh, that's uh. good. You know what that was? What? That what? was some merch from Northern Lights Estate Winery. That uh, if you send us a secret or a suggestion of anything that you want us to cover or one of your secrets, um, we're going to send you some merch. So what we have, let me pull this up, Emily. Oh, pull it out. These are cool. Bring it out. And it's difficult to tell you over an audio medium. So I'm going to instead involve some sound effects of the envelope rustling. Do it. (laughs) Extra rustle of Yeah, exactly. It's Christmas. You're looking for those stocking stuffers. All you, and you know what, if you, things are hard, inflation, too high. We get it. Yeah, we do. So our good friends at Northern Lights Estate Winery has sent us some some fun things that we can give you. So if you need a barbecue brush, Ooh, that's a hot. mold spices kit. So what you can do with these is uh, you take them and you add them to your favorite red wine. Ideally one with uh, from Northern Lights Estate Winery. But you throw that in there. You throw it in a pot and you throw these spices. So what it has in it, it's clove, allspice, cinnamon, and sugar. You, you, you bring that to a gentle boil and then you uh, reduce the heat and let it simmer for about 20 minutes. You can add more sugar if you want, but then you serve that in a mug and garnish it with like an orange slice and a cinnamon stick. And then you're enjoying mulled wine. I bet and, that would make your whole house smell amazing. Oh, it like when we got the box into the office, like Trey's office smelled mm. exactly like this. And like... like it. If you want to smell it for yourself, send us a secret. Okay. And tell us what you want, too, because we got a bunch of stuff. So we've got these uh, these kits. We've got, speaking of stickers, we've got some Northern Lights Estate Winery Pride stickers. So if you're Ooh. gay and you love wine, this is a sticker for you, my friend. 
If you're queer and you like deer, this is the podcast for you. <laughs> if you're queer and you like deer, it's definitely a shirt if we ever start a merch store. I'm definitely making that a shirt. Absolutely. And That's then, your Christmas present. I'm oh, make it nice. Yeah. I mean, prefer- I've already told you, preferably sorry. a Hanukkah present. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm Jewish. Jewish. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Uh, I would never apologize for that. Um, and then, you know what? If you don't want, if if you're, you know, I personally, I don't know if I would like mulled wine. But if you want something to open your wine with, uh, we do have these corkscrews. Um, and then, yeah. So if you want any of those things, uh, just as a stocking stuffer or just to have, send us your secret. Send mm-hmm. us a suggestion. Reach out to us. Say we're, that we're pretty. I will also take that. Me too. Because um, I need all the reassurance that I can get. I'm, I've lost my hair at the tender age of 24. Oh, and it's, it's been rough. I've been needing to find toques. I've been wearing, actually, I've been wearing well, a Peaky R2. Blinders hat. Ooh, um, yeah. Which I've like been enjoying. Uh, but yeah, our toques are very comfy. Uh, yeah, I like them. I was wearing my Secrets of the North t-shirt the other day, and I was like marveling. I was like, wow, I look like I have pecs in this, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, if you want those things, please tell us. I'm going to try to set up a merch store. I don't know what the specifics are. I'm not very smart. Um, you are. Well, I am in a way, but like I just – I'm not smart enough in the way that I can manage my time. That's fine. Um, but if, <laughs> if there's interest, like if people want them, please tell us because we will get those to you. Maybe so, you want it. And you know what, Emily? We are going to take a break, I think, soon. Not you and me. Are we? We're still friends. Okay. But the podcast might take a break during the holidays. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And I just want the listeners to be aware of yeah, Just that. in case. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, we'll try to get you a non-episode and maybe an episode, but we're just going to, you know, enjoy the holidays. Be present. Yep. Get it? Ah, the yeah. There you go. Uh, but we miss you. We love you. And uh, we got a non-episode coming down the pipe at you. And then just know that you're in our hearts and in Emily's butt. Always in my butt. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have any secrets, let us know. And uh, you will you might get a fun Northern Lights winery prize. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this EnergeticCity.ca podcast. EnergeticCity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join.